Hello and welcome to the Manic Film Club, the film review show where we say things like, now I'm not saying this film is too long, but after three hours I did find myself manically laughing at a scene about four men in a car discussing fish. My name's Liam and I'm going to be your host now sitting opposite me through the powers of the internet and in the midst of a second UK lockdown, we've got the lovely Tobias. Well, howdy doody people. Now Tobias, I do yeah. find it a little bit scary that, that the Manic Film Club was born in a lockdown and it's it's about to finish its initial run in, in a second lockdown. lockdown i know <laughs> uh well it's poetic justice maybe it I is. Don't know. it's almost yeah. just like the way it's destiny it's fate yeah that's one way of putting it destiny destiny, <laughs> destiny. oh destiny uh so we watched a film three and a half hours that film was it was indeed I we had discussed whether we'd break them down into chunks, yeah, or halve it. Uh, I watched it all in one go. Mm-hmm. I mean, life told me that I needed to split it when my internet went out. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it broke it kind of not at the not midway. It would be nice if it had been perfectly in the centre. Uh, <laughs> at some kind of in the second half, a bit. Yeah, I mean, I I watched it in one sitting, apart from the odd like toilet break. And this is the first time I've actually stopped to make a cup of tea. Okay, <laughs> halfway through, uh, I, I need I need a drink for this. And also, because we were discussing how we were going to get through it, because we yeah. both sat through three-hour films, mm-hmm. end the game, for example, but they're normally films that we have chosen and want to see. Yeah, you kind of go in knowing it's going to be a long one. Uh, and normally, you're much better at me, because I tend to multitask. Yeah. You tend to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, you might now turn around and say that you just watched it, but I know that through that three-and-a-half-hour film, you sent me several TikTok videos. <laughs> <laughs> So you were definitely... TikTok videos, really? Yeah, you did. You definitely There was a couple of things where I, I was on my phone, but I'd say for the whole, I was... I'll tell you what it was. There was a good... I'd say about the first half of the film yeah. was an on and off of my phone kind of situation. But actually, it got to a point in the story where I was going, I need to pay attention now. There's a lot of names being thrown so around, and I'm not sure I understand all of them. Did the opposite of me. Oh, I right. paid a lot of attention, and then I oh, really maybe there was ten to thirty minutes where I'm not really sure what happened in the film. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That's fair. I will say because it is three and a half hours long, and a lot does happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, three and a half. Yeah. Actually, you say that. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of people involved. Oh, There's yeah. a lot of names to, and I, I'm not really good with names of characters. I know. Better with the actors. Yeah. I mean, you will tell through this review. I'll be talking about Al Pacino rather than what his character name is. Oh, we haven't actually told you what the film is. Should I tell you what the film is that we've yes, been please. <laughs> Oh, oh no, hang on. That's how long this film is. It's 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 broken our format. Yeah. All right. <laughs> tell you what, gang. This is what we uh, watched today. The Irishman. Hitman Frank Sheeran looks back at the secrets he kept as a loyal member of the Buffalino crime family in this acclaimed film by Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Three and a half hours. (laughs) Three and a half hours. Now, in all fairness, because we were practicing watching something together, We watched the opening about three times. Oh, we watched the opening like two minutes, a load. And I'm going to say, and this is a complaint, by the way. <laughs> if I think if you start off a film with someone talking directly to the camera, 
Yeah, you end it by showing who it is, yeah. You should... And they didn't end it that way. No, I reckon they did and they cut it because I know that the original edit of this was over four hours. Yes, I read that as well. And I reckon... Because I predicted about... 25 minutes before the film finished that it was going to be frank talking to a photo of his daughter okay yeah and then there was a scene very close to the end where he was looking through some photos Mm. and it was in the same time frame as the actual how it started off yeah um so i thought actually maybe this because a key element is his daughter stops talking to him because of all this dodginess yes and i thought First, I thought, oh, maybe... That is a technical come... term, by the way, people. Dodginess. Dodginess. <laughs> and it's very apt for this. Yeah. Um, I thought, oh, maybe maybe it'll be her giving him a second chance to explain himself, and that's what he's doing. And then I thought, no, I don't think that's the case. I think it might be him talking to a photo of her as a, like, uh, I'm near the end now, I think. I, I, I wish you were here kind of thing. And then there was nothing. No, I even thought... It was jarring. Points where, was he talking to... Were they FBI agents? Who were they? Those Both. two guys. The two guys outside were like were basically FBI agents and a priest. Yeah. Well, I thought maybe he was talking to them. But it just didn't... We never actually... And no. at no other point in the film did he talk to the camera. Although, no. there was one scene... No, when he was at the table, and it was basically... This is kind of... Look, if you're listening to this podcast... We're going to assume you've watched the film. Yeah. So I'm just going to cut to a point. It's actually when him and Joe Pesci are talking about the fact they're going to kill Al Pacino. Yeah. And there's a bit where Robert De Niro more than once looks at the camera. I can't say I noticed. To be I honest. did. And it's it's roughly <laughs> about the time that I got back into the film, having had a bit of a day. Oh, OK. And he did several times directly look at the camera. and went, are you about to start talking to us? And no, no, he didn't. So I'm just like, was that real? It was mean? odd. I, I spent a lot of time towards the end of it trying to figure out who the camera was going to pan around to, thinking before they announced that Joe Pesci's character passed away and died, I thought well, maybe it'll be him, but he knows the story. Yeah, he was in it. To tell him, then I thought it makes sense for it to be the daughter because she doesn't know the full story. Yeah, FBI would have worked. Confession to the priest would have worked. To just then to the random nurse who was in Orange Is the New Black would have worked. Just anyone, anyone, and even if it is us, the audience, you need to bring it back to the audience. Yeah, it. The the problem is, it was a very abrupt finish, which is why I think that wasn't its original ending because it was literally the priest closes his conversation and he goes, "Can you leave the door open, please?" That's how I like it. And then the camera pans out. Then it was a long black scene, and I was like. Oh, okay. This is this is going to be credits now. Yeah. Otherwise, this is a long black pause. And I'm going to say, I mean, I've already said before, right? I think the perfect size of a film is between a length of a film is between ninety minutes to two hours. Yeah. Anything over that, there's got to be a reason for why it's that long. Yeah. And I've if I've sat through a film, yes, I may have kind of drifted for a bit, but I came back to it. Yeah. I expect. An end that satisfies. You want the payoff, don't you? Yes, and you I actually don't believe. I mean, I get it. I get what happened. Yeah. No, uh, but I didn't think there was a payoff. No, that we I mean, after three and a half hours. On the note of three and a half hours, I will say that actually, I got on with the film better than I thought I was going to. As- um, actually, because whilst it sounds like this is all going to be a very negative review, 
it was actually very well done. It's actually a yes. good film. But it's Scorsese, isn't it? So it's Martin Scorsese. Well, this is a thing that you need to know, right? Martin Scorsese. Modern. I'll start that again, shall I? Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro have a long history. They started filming when they were both much younger. They've done a lot of films together. Robert De Niro and Al Pacino have done a lot of films together. Uh, Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci have done a lot of films together. Although, I didn't know this, but Martin Scorsese and Al Pacino have never done a film together. No. Even though they've tried several times. But this is the first time for all of them to do this. And they're all much older. Yeah. Um, oh, it is an older cast. It's very much an older cast. And I don't know. I'm presuming we read the same things. So Joe Pesci so. turned down this film about 50 times. Well, Scorsese, the, the, the common word is 50 times. And of course, Scorsese has said it was probably a lot more than that. but Because he'd been in retirement for almost 10 years by this point. Yes, because, and he didn't want to do any more gangster films. No. And they said, this is going more. to be a This is more film. than that. And it was. One thing that you get used to very quickly in the film is we're now used to, we've already referenced Marvel with... Yeah. But Marvel have got very good at de-aging effect. Yeah. We do have Robert and well, all of the main players. We see them from being young men to, to old. old men. And I will say that actually I think with all of them were de-aged very well, except in my opinion, Joe Pesci. Because I think even when he was young, he looked very old. Well, I will say I he was meant to be older anyway. Than yeah. The rest. Yeah. But I, I mean, it says that Robert De Niro... When he's young, starts off in his 20s. I'm mean, no way was he in his 20s. Okay, I wouldn't have known that. I no way just, was I he in have, his I'd 20s. have said, no, 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 no. No. Um, <laughs> he was definitely a 30-odd a 30 who's, who's lived. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, what I am impressed about, because whilst... Right, they, Robert De Niro is one of the producers on it. He's, he, co, mm. he, he co-produced it with Martin Scorsese because they wanted to do a project together. Yeah. Um, because apparently it's been since, like... Has it been since the 90s they did a casino or something? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so... Robert De Niro has been quoted saying they had unfinished business. So, so they, they've come back, they've done this. Um, none, because they are an aging group, none of them wanted the, to wear cameras and the dots and all the stuff that like Mark Ruffalo has to, to be the Hulk and all this yeah. kind of stuff. So they had to, they went to Industrial Light and Magic to the, basically they had to work on the technology. Uh, so they actually had these special side camera things put on the main camera to track everything. Which I do wonder, now that they've got this, whether they'll start adapting that for Marble. So the actors don't have to look so ridiculous. It makes more sense to have it if it's doable. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, I don't know if this is going, by the way, this is going off on a complete tangent, nothing about this particular <laughs> film. But while we're just talking about the technology... Um, Technology has gone on for like, you know, the Mandalorian, they use these kind of back screen things now. Yeah. So green screen is going out. Yeah. So I'm actually just now wondering for the future, like Marvel films that we are into and don't mind sitting through for three and a half hours. (laughs) Yeah. Whether actually it'll make it a whole lot more uncomfortable for the actors who are CGI'd because now they've got the real background behind them. They don't have to wear all this stuff. Yeah. It was interesting. But this film is one of those films that going in, you wouldn't go, this is going to be full of CGI. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Until you really stop to think about the characters and who they're played by. 
like I, I don't because I say I know that we look at some of the same sources when researching yeah. it, but I think I look at some more as well. Yeah, um, and yeah, I don't yeah. know, so I don't know where all of my information came from. I saw one about a scene with um, what's his name, uh, Al Pacino's character, yeah, where he has to stand up. And uh, no. because of his age, it, yeah. he, he was standing up too frailly for, for the age of the character, so they got Joe Pesci to do it. I read uh, that it was Al Pacino, but they had a, they had an acting coach for how they should behave. Oh, right, okay. So, no, I remember that because uh, they had, every time they did a scene, they went through how old they were meant to be. Okay. Because even though they had the de-aging, because that, I believe, you either got from Wikipedia or... IMDb because I've seen it. IMDb is the only one I've looked through the actual trivia of today. Well, but this one was directly referred to him standing up, looking too old, and putting Pacino to do it from behind. I've not got that fact, and I haven't screenshotted it. Oh, I haven't screenshotted any of (laughs) these. Well, I I don't. I write keywords down just because I'm lazy. Yeah. Well, I don't think I had that one. Um, As far as I know, it was Al Pacino. The thing that I actually struggled with. A lot of the time with films, when I look at the trivia, there's not much. There's too much for this. It's a well, long trivia section. To be honest, they've been trying to do a film together for ages. Yeah. Um, and this particular film they've been trying to do for ages, which wasn't helped by the fact that actually no studio wanted to do it until Netflix came along. No. Because they didn't, they didn't want to make any more with Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro, which seems an odd thing. But I suppose the problem is they do. it's the same kind of stuff. Yeah. To them. Yeah, I suppose. Um, I now, thought they made money. <laughs> that's true, that's true. Now, I say, going back to the length of the film, obviously it's three and a half hours long, and I will say, I didn't dislike the film. That I, enjoy, I won't say I enjoyed every second of it, but I, I generally did enjoy most of what I was seeing, but I do think it felt far too long. Yes, it did. It's a slow film. To the point of, literally, I felt like I've been watching it for so long, clock watched and was at 56 minutes. I was like, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> this has been at least an hour 45. And there was, I did it again and was still less than halfway through. Yeah. I was like, mm, normally I get into a film and it finishes and I'm like, oh, wow, that wasn't that long. Doesn't feel like that long at all. But I don't, I can't pinpoint anything exactly which I'd go cut that out. Because actually I did enjoy most of what I saw, but it did just feel too long. I guess though, what you could cut, you could cut down scenes rather than cut some the of them were very slow scenes. If scenes in a car, not excluding when they're talking about fish, I loved it. But loved yeah, it. No, it was, and also <laughs> it featured an actor who I don't I don't know if you like or hate, depending on what you see him in. We've discussed oh, him before, Jesse, Jesse Plemons. Plemons. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I will say there was a lot of famous people in this film. Oh, this film has so many people in it, and some every people time who wanted I, to be in the film and couldn't be. Every time I thought. God, we've had so many famouses. Another one would turn up. Then Anna Paquin turned up. I was like, Anna Paquin's in this. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, for me, it was interesting because obviously a lot of the main cast, obviously a lot of these casts know each other. Yeah. They've worked with, they've got a lot of history. But actually, one of, there was two bits where I kind of, there was an actor who surprised me that they were in there. Uh, not Anna Paquin, because she's worked with Martin Scorsese before. Yeah. And he cast her because she's good at acting without many lines, apparently. Yeah, that's, what <laughs> I that's, what I, that's almost like a backhanded comment, isn't it? But hey, she's also in a Martin Scorsese. I like working with her. She doesn't have to talk. But, right, Stephen Graham, 
for me was an odd when I saw his name in the cast. Oh right, yeah. Um, he played. Hang on, I will have to check my phone because I've got the cast list here. Uh, Stephen Graham played Tony Pro. Yeah. Right. Who I got confused because whatever point they mentioned it, I didn't realise for a while that Robert De Niro was the Irishman. Did you not? I, should, I got confused. I did quite quick on because one of the first things, uh, like. Al Pacino, no, not Al Pacino, uh, Joe Pesci's family said to him when he brought him in is they called him Irish. They said, what are you doing, Irish? So I went, you're the Irish. See, I missed it. Yeah. Uh, and there was one point where I got confused. And for a while, I thought Tony Pro was the Irishman. And I went, you don't right. seem important enough to be to have a film named after you. But, right, so Stephen Graham is an English actor. I've seen him in a few things. Yeah. Right. And he doesn't seem to be on the level to be with these massive names. I but, think, yeah. Um, two of my favorite things that I learned was one, there's a scene where, and he apparently got very nervous because he was in the scene and he was discussing the fact of why his character was late. Yeah. He just <laughs> yeah. got apparently really weirded out by the fact that he's in this scene and Robert De Niro's there, but he doesn't have any lines. As, so Stephen Graham just improvised at one point and said something to Robert De Niro and was just really happy that Robert De Niro spoke back <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing was there's a scene in prison where Stephen graham has to go and basically beat up al pacino yeah uh, and in the lead up because there's a lot of scenes where um al pacino's eating ice cream there is oh, yeah. they make a thing that's his thing but there's a scene in prison where they're about to have a fight and before the fight Stephen graham like smashes or knocks the ice cream away yeah um, Stephen Graham told Martin Scorsese and told the crew that was going to happen, but didn't tell Al Pacino because wanted him to look generally surprised. Which I do like. Yeah. I like little facts like that. And afterwards, Al Pacino went up to him and congratulated him on surprising Sorry. him. Can you imagine already being absolutely bricking some, working with these big actors, improvising something that you haven't told that actor about, then finishing and being approached by them before yeah, they spoke before they speak <laughs> you might be thinking you know what i've done some big work but this is the end of my career now this, this is it now <laughs> this is it it's been it's been a good run but i think this is where i'm about to be destroyed and blacklisted yeah. from everything yeah. um, um but that is that is craziness i didn't realize that all these characters were based on real people i will say that going into this film with the uh, the idea of a three and a half hour film was daunting when I knew nothing about it. When they mentioned JFK, yeah, which actually I've seen a lot of things lately that have mentioned. We've mentioned this on podcasts before about JFK being mentioned and a focal point of a lot of things. Like Umbrella yeah. Academy season two, he's yeah. he's there. Um, the moment they mentioned JFK, I paused it, I googled it, and went, "Okay, this is real." Yes. Then I was more interested. Yeah. Once I realised it was it was basically another biographical of someone, it kind of a dr- dramatised version. Then I was like, okay, I can I can get into this knowing it all happened ish. But thing is, I think there's two things where you have to go right. This is why it's so long. One, we're dealing with lots of time periods. Oh, loads. And two, they're real people's lives. So you can't cut certain things out. You have to be honest. But saying yeah. that, you say that the entire premise of this shouldn't have been the Irishman. This film was really, in my opinion, more about uh, Jimmy Hoffa. Al Pacino's character. Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. Because the whole point is, in real life, nobody knows what happened to him. He just disappeared. I didn't know that. I now, that's know. the thing is, 
the moment his character came into it, I was like, your, your, your name sounds familiar. Why do I know your name? Um, and the moment I realized it was real, it all fell into place. I got this like morbid fascination with famous disappearances. They kind of fascinate me because I'm like, well, how does nobody know what happened? Yeah. And he, the point is, um, Jimmy Hoffa was the head of the Teamsters, a, a really big union. And then one day just disappeared. Nobody ever heard from him again. And then like 10 years later, they basically announced him as being dead. And yeah. there was, there are so many conspiracies, even to today, like there's a huge football stadium in America. And one of the conspiracies are that um, on the day he disappeared, he was killed, dismembered and buried in the foundations of that build, that football stadium as they were building it. And that there are whole, the Mythbusters do whole segments on it about oh, yeah, how know. they've they've um, done like sonic tests on the ground to see if there's any bodies buried underneath it and i remember thinking that's that's where the the cogs started turning i was like oh, okay it slips into place i got fascinated with this this guy's death a few years back okay i was like oh who is he so yeah then i started going okay i can get into this a bit more now because i it's actually of, of, of an interest to me but okay that's fair. i do fully agree with you when it's real people's lives you have to be careful what you cut out yes yeah definitely um, what was I going to say? I don't know, but I imagine it was very sexy. It probably wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but yeah, actually, I kind of, I find now this is going to be a bit of a controversial comment. Okay. I don't know if you find, because I don't know how much you've seen of either actor. I prefer Al Pacino to Robert De Niro. I can't say I have a huge like fan side for either of them, really. I don't dislike either of them. I think if you said to me, here's two films you've never watched before, you don't know anything about it, I would be more likely to watch the Robert De Niro one just because I'm more familiar with his work. Yeah, but see, I do think that's the case. I think for some reason, Robert De Niro is more accessible. But yeah. because in recent years, he went more over to meet the parents he kind of went down more yeah. to comedies now right nice. which i think made him a little bit more approachable to yeah. generalized family viewing even yeah whereas i think al pacino has kept with uh heavier stuff yeah that makes sense um although out the two of them al pacino is the one who's been in talks with marvel just saying <laughs> yeah but the thing is they're both icons in their own name. But yeah. Al Pacino kind of carries it on a higher level. Yes. I will tell you, right, one thing, which is very unfair to the actor, but yeah. when I saw a particular character, and initially I, I heard the voice before I paid attention that to who it was, and I went, right, it's, it's a case of, uh, Bill Buffalino, you may be a real person, but you'll either be from Ice Age or Everyone Loves Raymond. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Romano is an odd it always feels like an odd choice but actually visually fine perfect visually yeah he's got that classic italian look hasn't he yeah but it's the voice it's the voice that goes with it <laughs> hey, they, they could have gone you know what your family let's get the guy who played your brother in in, yeah. in the series as well let's really go yeah. for voices but uh, do you know what what kind of drummed that home even more today my my girls watched the first ice age today oh, really? and that is genuinely <laughs> what i was thinking thinking wow this is a contrast <laughs> Uh, oh, I know one of the things I'm going to say. What I did like littered through the film is normally, not exactly necessarily when we first met a character, but a little bit with Flash upon screen telling us how they died. I really liked that. And again, that was, that was something before I Googled that kind of made me go, 
oh, that's a nice effect. I wonder if that's based on anything. And then yeah. I went, I wonder if they are, even if this whole film was made up, I wonder if they were just like little tidbits of facts for the audience for real life versions of the people. Yeah. But that was quite cool. And it was nice how we saw a couple of them come come to fruition later on. Yeah. Which I quite liked. Like mainly the the guy who um, was in the car in the fist discussion. Yes. That was quite cool. The, the, I say the film, despite its length, did have some interesting moments in it. Uh, I, I joke about the fist conversation. There was no reason for it to be funny. But I think the time had been dragging on me a little bit by that point. And I was like, I'm going to find it funny. No, but that, there's a thing there. If it had been a comedy film that wouldn't been funny oh. but actually for the film it was it was that funny. was a comment that was comic relief that's true and it was it was clearly meant to be light-hearted and funny because it is leading up to one of the big moments of the film yes so it, it, yeah it was arguably, arguably actually the biggest oh yeah yeah the huge yeah. bit and yeah. that is that's the only thing with the whole you know you've got to be careful with real people's lives because there is no proof that Frank Sheenan actually had anything to do with Frank Hoffer's death. Uh, not Frank Hoffer's death. Uh, Jim Hoffer's death. Yeah. They, they don't know what happened to him. But yeah, that was dramatic. Yes. I mean, I liked that. I think this film did did build tension quite well at times. Because you knew, once you realised they were all real people, you were like, oh, they'll all be fine then. We know their story. But then I was thinking, actually, we don't, we don't know the story. Because, one, it's American cat people. Yeah. Um, apart from JFK, we all know what happens to him. Yeah, that's quite. A... Um, and the thing that this film does is it takes a lot of. Um, it's 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 a, obviously it's a dramatization. It's not literally a, 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 biogra- a biographical, and it's adapted from um, the film I heard you paint houses by Charles Brandt. Yes, um, and actually they wanted the film to be called it as well. Yeah. Um, the thing that fascinates me is that it wasn't. That's not what it was meant to be about at all. Which you'll know if you you read through the facts as well. Mm-hmm. Is that literally um, Scorsese brought De Niro on board just to make an aging hitman, as they've called it in inverted commas, film just about an, a hitman aging. And De Niro, De Niro was reading the book. Yes. And convinced yeah. Scorsese to change it to this story, which I think shows how much they've worked together. Yeah, I mean the thing is they are two friends who've done yeah. a lot of work together yeah <clears throat> um also because i obviously have gone through the imdb notes yeah. um obviously the book is called i heard you paint houses but there is a second half of that which is called i also do my own carpentry work yeah and it's all to do with the hit and the cleanup yeah because the idea is is is, is a paint house is is the, the killing the hit yeah, and that the carpentry is is that you do your own cleanup, and that the other thing that I actually really found quite clever and was obviously we saw the opening of this film what four times, yeah, in total maybe five, and yeah. it opens up with him basically giving that talk where he says I started painting my own houses, and then it cuts to basically a gunshot and a blood splatter, yeah. which I then realised when watching it was Jimmy Hoffa's death. I hadn't even thought about it. Literally, I hadn't not even thought about yeah, it. Literally, it was a different view a different angle on him shooting jimmy hoffer because it it shoots his butt up onto the wall in the same formation and it's the same wall but when we see it in the beginning of the opening it is literally just you see his face and a gun and then you see the blood splatter on the wall but this time we we see like a long view of him shooting him repeatedly in the face and then pulling his body out of the building and you it's actually not focused on the blood at all but i know i looked at it and when i noticed it i thought that's really clever actually it is, and I think maybe I would have noticed that more if I hadn't been so taken up with the fact that we weren't sure. coming back to the symmetry 
I wanted the symmetry. Yeah. Yeah, I get that completely. Um, but as you, you know, as you said, there's at least half an hour of this film cut out, which quite frankly, yeah. you know, it's like, what did you cut out? <laughs> Apart from a proper like closing of the story, like as in like as in an actual yeah, bringing it around to say who he's talking to, because that did genuinely feel jarring. Yes, I would say I enjoyed most of this film, but having it just close on a not even really an ending. No, I know you can't. And when the it, thing is, I don't. I don't need everything to be tied up in a bow. No, no, not not at all. Especially but, when it's real life. Yes, but from a story narrative, and it is a film, even if it's based on real life. Him talking to the camera is the gun. It's got I was to go literally off. Literally thinking that. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't go off. <laughs> the thing is, there was a clear, conscious decision to make him talk to the camera. Yes. So to then not see that through feels like a wasted, like scene design more than anything. Yeah. Uh, for for a so, film that is actually generally very well told. Yeah. Uh, so that, so all I can think think of is somewhere on the clipping room floor, you know, that that, that no longer exists. Yeah. Um, there has to be something, even if it just turns out he's talking to a mirror and he's lost his mind and he's just rambling. I'm going to say, I reckon he was talking to the FBI agents. Because it know. seemed around the same time. It wasn't I that much of a difference. I don't because he outright tells them he's not going to talk to them. Oh, that's true. Who would he talk to? I was, thinking, would... I was thinking priest or daughter. Or the nurse. Mind you, she doesn't seem that interested. Well, no, that's true. But she, she does make it clear that she doesn't know anything about him. And he does try to tell her. So I thought maybe it might cut back to them. But um, yeah. I totally agree with it. Felt like the cocked gun in Act One. Yes. Never returned to, and it 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 genuinely was wasted, and it it jarred it for me. Yeah. No. Uh. It, you don't ever want to. You don't ever want to finish a film and go, oh, is is that it? Yeah. Especially but after three what, and a half hours. Yeah. You want it to lead something. You want. <laughs> you know, it needs a dramatic moment. Uh, but the dramatic moment had already happened a bit earlier. To the point of, did you then fast forward through all the credits to see if you could see an end of, end of credit scene or anything? No, I didn't. I let I, I, let, I let all the credits rush. Oh, I, I don't. don't I, you know, I for something like that, I do tend to just when it's not a film I'm expecting one on, I do tend to fast forward through them to see if I can see a scene pop up. Because I um, thought actually maybe if literally it'll get to the end of the credits and then it'll just have him finishing the story and then revealing someone. I was waiting. I was hoping for the film's sake it had a payoff. And yeah. it, it just didn't. And I just thought it that was didn't. really disappointing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is very... I expect better from Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, well, it's more of I expect better from a three-and-a-half-hour film. Yeah, but both. If you both make someone sit through the time. But saying that, it was meant to be a two-part... They did look at it as a two-part yes. series. I don't think it needed to be. For my, actually, from a viewer who wouldn't have normally chosen this sort of film... But that said, and I referenced it when we were talking on TikTok Live, I've chosen more than once to watch uh, Once, Upon a, Once Upon a Time in America. Yeah. Um, that's a gangster film. It's Robert De Niro. It, it's, it's a long film to the point of when it's on TV, they have to split it over two nights. Do they really? Yes. Um, and that, cause that was my first time. I remember very young watching it and then it, needing to be continued uh but if you look it up i don't know if it's on netflix now but i recently sort of recently in the last couple of years watched it on 
Netflix in one go, you know, uh, but that was by choice. But then it's a it's a very again, it's another film which starts off with your main character as a child and takes right. them through their life. Right. OK. So similar to this in a way. Not we don't see him as a child necessarily, but, you know. Um, yeah, I wonder if also if half an hour got cut out, there were meant to be more Peggy, his daughter. Maybe it felt like it, but I I do wonder if actually her lack of presence in the film was a conscious decision to show the distance between her and her father. There was a lot of times, especially involving the Joe Pesci character, which was focused on family. Yeah. In a yeah. way, though, I think they actually needed to focus a bit more in a different way. Because actually, when they were focusing on the Peggy character, it was never really Peggy and Frank. It was Peggy and Russell or Peggy and Hoffman. Again, I, I think this, I think everything to do with the character Peggy, I actually think isn't a, a, a case of we've, there will be some cutting on the floor moments of it all that's been cut out to look like that. I reckon it's actually a conscious decision because from basically day one, the moment she's old enough to understand, she knows that they, she can't involve her dad and stuff because he's going to go too far. As we see with the whole a shopkeeper who like nudged her or something. Yeah. You know, and he basically she breaks his wrists and kicks it out of him. He um, did. She didn't. Uh, he did. Yeah. So <laughs> I, 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 I think the choice to not have them interact much and really have her in the show minimally in the pivotal moments, I think might have been a key decision they made to sh to show. And then when she is in it, have her more interacting with the other people for example like when she's interacting with um Depeche's character um she there's like an uncle relationship in there isn't there but she's not really buying into it until um Pacino's character comes along yeah. and then she genuinely likes him and as he as um De Niro's character says in it that there was a difference between those two relationships because um Pacino's character never put himself across as this family kind of character he was a real bloke to everyone he never had a nickname all the yeah. others have some yeah. sort of hard man nickname that goes nickname. With them. yeah 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 and i never thought about that that's true but no i do think that the decision for the daughter was a conscious thing to show this like wall between them yeah, yeah um, which was was quite interesting to watch um i had no uh, nothing to follow um by the way <laughs> okay cool um i mean the last time we see anna Paquin. She closes up her bank bit, uh, bank, what do you call it? Unit, what do you call that it? Window. Counter? Yeah. yeah window. Uh, which uh, a very elderly Robert De Niro has been queuing yeah. at. Uh, and I generally thought, because I'm used to movies, that as he was about to walk away, she'd, she'd come up behind him. And they were like, oh, I guess this goes with the real life side of it. Yeah. No, no, that's it. <laughs> that's when you have to remember that it's real life because yeah. he doesn't get a fairy tale ending. No, he doesn't. Like literally, when he's when he's talking to the nurse who doesn't care, she's like, "Oh, who's this?" She's like, "This is my daughter." Oh, I haven't met her yet. Yeah, no, you're probably not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, as I said, literally the moment I found out it was a real story, I really bought into it more. And actually, it changed the way I was watching the film. Knowing it was a real a real story, I was about like gangsters and almost mafia style people. Yeah. I started knowing certain things wouldn't happen. Like very on, we've mentioned the relationship between her, uh, Anna Paquin's character, uh, Peggy, but obviously you see her as a child as well. 
We see her a lot more as a child. Oh, than yeah. But I actually thought the film was going to go in a very different direction very early on. Because literally, when um, De Niro's character first gets involved with um, the, the Buffalino family, and uh, Joe Pesci's character f- starts to kind of get close to the family, yeah. I thought it was going to turn very dark. Because he started being very close with Peggy and I thought it was going to be a case of Robert De Niro's character starts doing all this work for the family getting very close to them then it then finds out that like maybe Joe Pesci's character is being inappropriate with his daughter and was going to have to make a moral decision Uh, because actually it did feel a little almost dirty but but then I realized that's actually because you know that these guys are are killers actually I do wonder it's not been that long since we watched the maywitch stories where actually they had a storyline involving that sort of Maybe, thing yeah uh because actually yes they do very much focus but i do think you're right it's we know that these are all essentially bad people but it's never actually at any point during the film that sort of bad person oh no these because... are all violent people well that's the key is yeah. the whole <laughs> the whole thing with mafia or gangsters is they're all family driven so something like that would just not be tolerated and i suppose though i think what we're probably saying joe pesci's character russell does say they couldn't have have children yeah so he does see her as a daughter (sighs) yeah i will just note hands up i just plugged in my phone and i forgot that it said something so i don't know if that's going to come through on the 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 I i mean if it helps i didn't notice or hear it good because that would be a weird thing to come out. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you are right. Um, he does make a point of saying that. So he, we know that he genuinely sees Peggy as almost like another da- a daughter to him. Yes. And, and he's always, actually, I think he's generally just wanting that sort of, not even necessarily a daughter thing. Just it's, connection. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a paternal element to him. And actually, it makes more sense when Pacino's character, Hoffer, comes on the scene. And then you see the relationship towards him is genuine from her. Yeah. She reciprocates it. There's a there's a there's a scene with, um, I'm forgetting all the names now. With um, Pesci's character when he gives her a Christmas present, and yes. she basically she says thank you once, and then that's it. I tell you what, there is another element here, and I wonder if that's the thing. Yes, Joe Pesci kind of he he makes almost too much of an effort, but it's just like the first time it's like I'm going to tell you a joke now, laugh, and here's a present, yeah. be thankful. But as actually Hoffa's character doesn't Would buy. You? Doesn't actually buy her ice cream, buys them both ice cream. It's a genuine thing, isn't it? Yes, and it's it, like it they follows, enjoy that. It follows the almost on-stage persona that Hoffa has going. Yeah. Even though that is a genuine thing from him. You, yes. can, you can tell that's genuine, but Hoffa's known to be this charming guy to all the public. And yeah. you can see that come across, and that's why she trusts him and buys into it. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I was... It was almost like pleasantly surprised, to be honest. If you take out the length of it and feeling a little bit jarring with the ending and you know, that... I, I did buy into the film more than I thought I would with a three and a half hour film. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, I think when you've got those names involved, you're, you kind uh, of guaranteed some level of quality, aren't you? Yeah. And I do think, you know, it is what it is. It's, I didn't dislike it. Yeah. I, I lost my attention. Yeah, no, I did as well, but that's me more than anything, I think. Um, I, my opening gag to this was almost not about the fish joke and almost about Robert De Niro being typecast again. But yeah, actually, it's less typecasting and more accurate casting. Yeah. You, people say a lot of people like um, 
Hugh Grant always gets characters that are basically Hugh Grant. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree that with like Robert De Niro because yes, he does always that characters, but that is his character. You can see that how he does that. Yeah, and that, that you don't believe that that's what he's like in real life. You I know, actually, most... I don't think I've ever thought what I get the thing with Robert De Niro though. I would be very nervous in a room with him. Yeah, I would kind oh, of. Oh, I fully have with Robert De Niro that the teacher rule of he doesn't exist outside the screen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I saw him in the street, I'd be like, "What? You're real?" <laughs> actually, you know, he's got so much respect from other actors. Oh, to yeah. the point of, we'll reference Joker. Yeah. Right. There was a thing with Joaquin Phoenix where he would be so in character as the Joker. And if he didn't deliver a line exactly how he wanted to do it, he would get frustrated with himself and walk off mid shot. Yeah. The only actor he didn't do that with was Robert De Niro. Because it's a level of respect. Yes. Which. Yes. May, really surprised me to read one of the facts that I think you'll have read as well awesome. about Mickey Rourke. Those two don't get on. No. But you'll find that Mickey Rourke doesn't get on with that many people. Yeah. Because <laughs> the, the fact is, to give people a bit of logic to this, is there there was talk by Mickey Rourke from the sounds of it that he, that he there was talks of his involvement, but De Niro wouldn't work with him. <laughs> yeah. But this is coming from Mickey Rourke, according to that quote. Yes. I also know, going off that, because, yeah, Mickey Rourke is one of those, he's quite a temperamental character. Um, yeah. Uh, and also, I'm glad, I don't know who he would have played in this film. No, he'd I have don't... felt really out of place, wouldn't um, he? I think what is a shame is, if you were naming actors who, who you'd expect to be in this film, Ray Liotta is one of them. Uh, yeah. And he wanted to be in, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Now, I don't know who he would have played, but he would have fit. He would have fit in this cast. Yeah, there's a handful of actors who you think, okay, yeah, you'd have a place in this. Worrying, and this is the thing, uh, I, I haven't thought about this, so I don't know where I'm going with this. Okay. If they decided to remake The Irishman in the same manner in 20, 30 years, I think we're looking at people like Tom Hardy. People yeah. who sort of play the hard I now. I could have seen someone like Hardy appearing in it as one of the young people anyway. Because he is that kind of, but he obviously he he's American. He's 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 not American. No, but you, you say that Stephen Graham's English. True. You know, True. It's, so it's but not... I think Stephen Graham had basically bought his ticket through from Boardwalk Empire, where he pays out. I've not seen Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. So the thing is, he's done that thing where he's portrayed a very famous gangster. Well, uh, the last thing I saw Stephen Graham in. And it's funny that you should have actually mentioned a certain potential how you thought this film was going to go. Uh, the last thing I saw him in was Save Me, which was written by Lenny James. I've seen all of it, but I haven't at, seen it. It's actually very good. It runs for two seasons. I don't know if there's going to be a third. Um, but Stephen Graham's character is a convicted pedophile. Right, okay. Uh, but okay. People, people don't know it. Right. You know, it's, it's a more thing of that actually who he's with. Yeah. They are a couple. But they got together when she was a minor. Right, okay. So he's convicted. Oh, right. Yeah, but the thing is, that's the last thing I saw him in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I say, literally, I, I've, I've seen him in one or two things. Yeah. But the main thing would have been Bordel Kemper, which I haven't actually finished. I've never seen uh, it. But I've seen, like... That's Steve good... Me, right? Yeah, yeah. Actually, another actor who... Would have fit in this. Yeah, he, he mm. would have... Actually, to be honest, most of the cast of, of Bordel Kemper, because it's, it's about gangsters. 
Oh, is it? See, I don't. I know yeah, nothing. it's a bit. It's 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 more subtle. It's it's gangsters in the prohibition kind of timing. Yeah. So it's not necessarily like Tommy Guns and or, or actually no, it is. It's completely Tommy Guns. <laughs> but the point is, it's it's not as it's not this style of gangsters. No. Um, but no, the last thing I saw uh, Stephen Graham in was as Al Capone in that. So I've already seen him as a top tier gangster. Yeah. Uh, but that by that, but the thing is, the bit of boardwalk that I've seen up to, which is about half of its run, Al Capone isn't full Al Capone yet. He's just a normal bloke who got, who's growing in the. Oh, in, in, so in, he's season one penguin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Season one penguin. And he kind of like he he's kind of like midway through his run by the time I'm at. Yeah. But it's very much when he comes into it, they're like they make a point of dropping the name, this is yeah. and then he becomes yeah. a key part of it. But so it doesn't surprise me that it was in it. But I get how he's out of place a little bit. Oh no! I, to be honest, because of that, knowing that he's who I would class as a smaller English actor, yeah, I watched him more. You know, it's that kind of thing of what are you doing in here? How come you got cast in the Martin Scorsese film? <laughs> and then it's fine. That's cool. You know, because normally I then I'll then go, oh, your accent's a bit off. Not that I can do accents, but I'm not being paid lots of but money. But the thing is, there's a difference between being able to do an accent yourself and watching a highly paid actor and going, that is terrible. Yeah, and but there was I, none it, of that I really noticed in this. It's a good cast. It is a very good cast. I mean, it's, it's a good cast. Um, I mean, I don't think just anyone walks into a Martin Scorsese film. There's yeah. a reason why you're there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, especially it wasn't just like a Robert De Niro thing. It was Al Pacino. It was Joe Pesci, who's come out of retirement after saying, "No, yeah." That, you know. I mean, you know that you've got something behind you when someone comes out of ten years retirement to do your project. Yes, yeah. and that was all kind of because his whole thing was, "I don't want to do another gangster film." Yeah, and it shows because this isn't just a gangster film. There's more to it than that. <laughs> Though, had they gone to him with his Home Alone five? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine? But like, you're, oh, you're really old, but you've still got to do all the stunts. <laughs> this is the this is the, the the time travel one, which turns out you're actually Kevin McAllister from the future. Yeah, there's a spaceship at the end. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going away from like the actual plot side a bit more. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned direction in the sense of like, and the cinematography in the sense of the choice to not reveal who he was talking to is a mistake. Yeah. But is there anything else that kind of jumps out to you? Because it is a very well shot film. And I, there's not, if there is, it's not, I can't think of anything. No, I think it's that sort of direction where it's actually, there's a nice little quote, which I haven't screenshot or anything, so I can't quote it. But Martin Scorsese says that he dealt with this film differently because in his younger days, he felt like he rushed everything. All right. Yeah. Because he was a young man battling through. But this is a very nostalgic film. Mm. So actually, Everything was slower, which is probably why it's a three and a half hour film. Well, I mean, one thing I have written down is that it was a 106 day shoot, which makes it yes. the longest shoot for any of his films. Yes. Which uh, might make sense. It's his longest film. Yeah. Um, it, may, it does make sense. Uh, the effects are good, although I would cast out on how young Robert De Niro actually looked. He was not in his 20s. I don't care what you say. I uh, mean, <laughs> the thing is, I didn't know he was meant to be. I knew he was meant to be younger, but I didn't realise he was meant to be that young. Because, no, I, that, the, the problem is, knowing how old they actually are makes you go, well, I can. I doubt that completely. Yes. You know, it adds to it. But, um, um, no, I mean, I think it was a very well shot film. And... It was. It's it... Actually, and this is 
some of the things that I said, I'll go back to when we reviewed Private Life, which was the second one we did in the film club, yeah. where I said it was very arty, but it distracted from actually the plot. Yeah. This didn't do that. No, there was nothing unnecessary for the shots, really. After your initial, oh, they're young now. Yeah. And it's the same actor, and we get in to see them older, and that's all cool. Actually, the shots are the shots. The shots yeah. don't track, but at the same time, it's a movie. It's not a TV. So it's there. Yeah. You know, it's one kind thing of... I was going to make when we were talking earlier about how it was originally discussed for it to be a two-part movie, yeah. I actually don't think that's necessary. What they could have done with a, a lower-budget cast this I could easily see this being like a like a ten part t- Netflix series where they've put a bit of time into the story. I could easily see it being adapted into a true crime series because yeah, of the amount of detail. Because it's all about real people as well. They could um, easily have detailed the segments of it into into a series. I would say, and now I do know that it did go to theaters in America. Yeah, yeah. It it went to a cinema in England, I think. Uh, but more independent chains did it rather than the big ones because Netflix had a deal because they were funding it that they could show the film. I think thirty days. Right, after yeah, I've written yeah thirty days after, and I found that fascinating. Yeah, but then the big change went. But there's always been a gentleman's agreement. Yeah, that we get it for ninety. Is that a thing that's commonly known? Uh, 90, yeah, you, 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 I didn't know. That. I don't know about the the number ninety, but there's actually this. This is a thing. Cinemas who show a film get to show it for so long. And also that's the thing with companies where they, there's lots of deals that happen. And I know Warner Brothers, because I can, when I worked at a, not just a theatre that we both worked at, mm. I also worked at a cinema. Yeah. And that's where I learned uh, certain deals happen where if a company's got a big film coming out and want, all the cinemas to show this and you have to show it so many times mm. they will kind of go right if you want and this is the literal one that i learned about if you want the new harry potter film you're gonna have to show this film about owls <laughs> you may not want to but you've got to and you've got to show it so many times because if you don't is that, you won't get the is thing is that the guardians one yeah i think it was yeah and i only know that because i know they came out at the same time yes uh, it, and they, they couldn't have one without the other. It's like every it cinema wants Harry Potter. on the business side of it to say yeah. that if you want this big popular one, you have to take the one that no one really wants. But there, there's been a big thing because things have changed over the years. Because I remember when I used to see the new films on video, not DVD, video. video. Uh, and there'd always be a thing of you'd have to rent it because it wouldn't be on Sky for a year or to buy for two years or the other way around. You know, yeah. that kind of, but now things do come out so much closer. It. I remember it when I was younger, and you have to sometimes think of the comparison when you were younger. Is that just your your youth not being realistic about the timing? Oh no, I remember it being in the magazines that come with, with the thing. But it, but it felt like you'd see a film in the cinema, and then it felt years until that it would come would out. Be, I tell you what, it would probably after right a film would come out, it would be at the cinema for so long, but then and then it would also remember like the 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 theatre that we look worked at. Yeah couldn't get the brand new releases no. so we we would have to wait until the the major chains had already basically were winding down showing it yeah for the the smaller theaters to have it and but then when yeah, it, then when it's finished you'd have to wait for it to come out to buy i think or not not to buy to rent 
initially. Yeah, rent rent used to come out first. Yeah. And then it would come out, I think, I can't remember which way. It would either come out on Sky or to buy, and then another length of time before the other one. Mm. There was a system to it. But now, honestly, they've been discussing bringing out films on DVD and on streaming on the same day as theatre release. And that's just going to kill off cinema. Yeah. That yeah. will just kill off cinema. Cinema will always have its place for those people, I suppose like yourself, yeah. who... who, who have the thought of it's meant for this and actually scorsese himself has is quoted saying he he doesn't he doesn't like netflix (laughs) no he likes he likes the proper big screen because that's what he's making for and i fully get and respect that it's why i'm really annoyed that i didn't go and see tenet yeah uh because i am very much well it might just come out on, you know, whatever. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll see it at some point. But I I didn't go to the cinema. You you went to the cinema when lockdown eased. You know what? I wish it was for something decent. <laughs> Trolls <laughs> World Tour is not what you should be making your first post lockdown yeah. cinema trip for. And the annoying thing is, Tenet was on at the same time, and I made the joke to to my partner saying, "Why don't you take the girls to see Trolls, and I'll go and see Tenet." Might not be a little bit longer. You can just go to McDonald's afterwards. Yeah. And and it wasn't taken seriously because if it had been offered as a joke, I'd have dropped the joke and taken it. Yeah. If she'd gone, go on then. I'd have been like, "All right then, bye." Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have even finished the sentence. It would have been like the Road Runner, where there's just smoke left and I'm gone. It'd be like, I'm so glad you said that. I've got the ticket. <laughs> yeah. All you'd have heard is me go meep meep, and I'd be gone. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't really have much to say about the cinematography and the di- direction, other than it is very high quality. To be honest, uh, it doesn't distract. Nope. It is what it is. It's actually, it's actually what you'd expect it to be. Yeah, I mean that's what I can say. It's what you'd expect the, with the, some nice I, little touches in there here and there because Scorsese knows what he's doing. Well, I was going to say, I think the key phrase, the tagline for this review would be, "It's got the hallmark of that." Then everyone who's involved, yes, you yes. know it's going to be good. Yeah, to the you know it's going to be well done. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, d- I don't have anything else to say review-wise for this, really. Not without just regurgitating the same stuff. I agree. Same. Um, okay. So, when it comes to rating here on the Manic Film Club, we don't do it as a, on a like a ranging scale from like one, one, 1 to 10 or higher. Um, I don't actually know what Rotten Tomatoes is for this one. It, I, I haven't looked. But I, I, imagine it, I imagine it'll probably be quite high. Uh, um, well, I can't tell you Rotten Tomatoes. But what I can tell you, if you just give me a second... Is the Irishman on IMDb is a seven point nine? Is it really? Yeah. Well, I have it open. It's a ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I tell you what, it's quite weird. We've discussed all the cast, didn't we? Loads yeah. of cast. Harvey Keitel's in. We didn't even mention him. That's how much cast there is. Harvey Keitel. <laughs> Quite a big yeah. name. He's credited. There is a lot of people him. in this. I, I guarantee you will have missed some out. Yeah. But no, we, we when it comes to rating, we simply say, is it a hit or is it a miss? A hit being, did we enjoy the film? Does it have rewatchability? Would we talk about it to other people? General levels of enjoyment. And a miss is nice and simple. It's the direct opposite. Sometimes we rate things kind of midway between those two scales. But generally, hit or miss scale. Nice and simple. Tobias, how did you find this film? I started off with a complaint, and I uphold that complaint that they didn't finish the film well. No. I also say that I lost interest in the second half of it. Okay. But 
for what it is, realising it actually it's not my kind of film, I'm going to give it a soft hit. Okay, that's fair. Just because I think it is a very well-made film. And actually, if you're into those kind of films, you should see it. Yeah, yeah, there's no reason for you not to watch this film. Yeah. Um, I actually fully agree with you, and I will be giving it a, a soft hit as well. Because will I ever rewatch this film? No, probably, probably not. Probably not, no. Um, it's not one that I can see anyone in my immediate family would suggest putting on. Yeah. Um, and if they did, I'm I'm probably already dead and something weird's <laughs> happening. Let's be real here. But um, I did actually enjoy most of it. Yes, yeah. it felt far too long. It could have easily been a two and a half hour long film. But for respect for the original people, I get it. Yeah. Um, but no, I think for me it's a soft hit, which makes this an official manic soft hit yeah nice and simple yeah nice and simple hey tobias what yeah. are we gonna watch next and i believe almost final uh yeah i mean we have been following a list yeah uh, of netflix originals that are apparently the best of the best apparently the best apparently, apparently the best uh and of that list the next episode is the last one on that list we were fully intending by the end of this list to maybe be moving over to youtube or something yeah lockdown number two (laughs) but our official final although i will say spoiler alert not final episode of the film club (gasps) surprises but next time on the manic film club we will be reviewing roma Oscar winner Alfonso Cuaron delivers a vivid emotional portrait of a domestic worker's journey set against domestic and political turmoil in 1970s Mexico. And what I can tell you is it looks like it's in black and white. Right, there are two (laughs) things to that that concern me with what you just read. There are two words, technically three if I give the second word its full phrasing. One is vivid. That worries me because what that translates to to me is unclear. No, or vivid, dreamy or that. maybe artsy vivid vivid vivid, vivid is vivid imagine when you've got a vivid imagination I just it's very find strong it it's very weird, bold i find it as a weird choice of words to describe a film though okay yeah um and political turmoil <laughs> uh for me it's the fact that it's possibly in 1970s mexico which makes me think is it going to have subtitles because i struggle black and white is a bit concerning as well. I have yeah, no films. I mean, it's but... nine. It, it's I said ninety. I was going to say nineteen ninety-eight. <laughs> it's two thousand eighteen. So it's it's not an old film. It's just it's no, a no, choice. No. It's an artistic okay. choice. Well, I mean, Alfonso Cuarón. You should. You'll. You, you know what? Cuarón did my favorite Harry Potter film. Ooh. Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. Uh, yeah. He he did Gravity, which I enjoyed. Yeah, me too. Okay, uh, so it's a good name. Yeah, and it is rated in that list as the best one. Problem is, we've disagreed with that is, list. Well, that's actually more. <laughs> the problem is, when someone says something's the best, I don't always fully agree. Like when you look at things like the when Oscars, something's won an Oscar, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. When something wins an Oscar, the same with like the musicals, the Tony Awards. The thing that wins everything is normally something that's unheard of or unknown or is a bit abstract. It's not normally one of the huge ones. I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that statement. What I would say is, it's normally technically best. It yeah. might have the best acting yeah. and it might actually have a powerful message. But what often they miss out is, is it fun? <laughs> <laughs> I remember the year that I watched the Tony Awards, which again, if anyone doesn't know, it's it's like the Oscars for the musicals, for yeah. live Broadway musicals. 
the year that I watched, there was loads of big stuff out, like Wicked was still big. Um, and the play that won everything, and I'd never heard of, I now own the book, was The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Garden in the Nighttime. Which I've heard of. Okay. Yeah, but it's such an odd thing to come out out of nowhere yes. at the time. Yes. Um, so no, so is it Roma as in R-O-M-A? R-O-M-A, yes. Okay. So yeah, Roma will be the finale of the list that we're following. Yeah, the list. And then I believe we're going to consider getting all festive, aren't we? Yeah. We're doing a festive treat gonna, for you We're going to jingle all those bells. Oh, and that's not even the film. wow now when this episode goes live it will be accompanied by a poll over on our twitter page where you will be able to vote to say if you think you look so scared and confused i do whenever you announce anything i'm like have i sanctioned this as well yeah you have this is something we've done for every episode Right, oh, well, yeah. To, to, to delay to, to get rid of Twice's confusion, when this episode <laughs> comes out, you'll be able to vote as you have on every other episode of the Manic Film Club whether you think <laughs> this week's film, The Irishman, was a hit or a miss. And the reason that I am confused as to why Tobias is confused is it's his poll. <laughs> yes, but we were talking about giving people a choice that we've now decided to take away from them. That is so true. That's, that's true. what I thought you were yeah. about to anoint to announce a choice. Well, I'm going, no, we've discussed the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I know. I know I'm a bit of a live wire. <laughs> Not that much of a, a bit of a cheeky chappy. <laughs> oh, I'm such a character. Never a compliment. <laughs> yeah. So as a character, I find very rarely a compliment unless they're actually a character from something. <laughs> so, yes, there will be a poll that you can vote if you thought this was a hit or a miss. And the last one that we watched, which we said was a massive miss, was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But no, no, no. One person voted. One person that, voted. That one person. One person gave it 100%. Yeah, it was a hit. I can't even remember what it was. Um, oh, yes, I can. The Other Side of yeah. the Wind. Yeah. You know that film we watched, The Direction of the Wind. Which was the third best film uh, of this list, apparently. Technically, I get why that was there. But no. well, when we started off with that sci-fi film, which was the bottom oh, of the list. So good. <laughs> so good. But anyway, oh. you get to vote. And then we'll argue about your vote on the podcast. So you'll yeah. get involved. If you comment, let, you know, let us know who you are. We can we can name you. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, in case you're, you don't know how Twitter polls work, it doesn't tell us who votes for what. No. It, so if you're clicking thinking we know you voted, you might want to just drop a like on it or a, at least or a comment. Yeah, because otherwise we, we don't know who you are. You're anonymous. If you want to go over to our Twitter, that is at the manic with two ends. Very, Very important. And that is also the best place to keep up to date with all of us. But there actually, is actually no, I disagree. I disagree. One more place. Our Discord community. But Tobias, can yeah. anyone join the Discord server? No, no, you have to be a patron, a paid up patron. You know what we've done here at the manic podcast? We've put a paywall up. Yeah, yeah, we have because we call like that. <laughs> <laughs> which translates into someone pay for our SoundCloud. <laughs> uh, thanks, Dave. <laughs> Dave, thanks for paying for our SoundCloud oh, for this one. <laughs> Manic Master, I believe it's called. Yeah, possibly. Oh, that sounds about the family. 
So there will be a link tree link in the description of this episode where you can click on links to our Patreon, our Tumblr, our Twitter, our Instagram, and other basically different versions of the podcast. So Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Liam's OnlyFans. My OnlyFans. And the, the ironic thing is, Tobias is my only fan. Yeah, I know. I, I get all the goodies. <laughs> so the thing is, he pays for the subscription and I send them to him privately. <laughs> yeah. He actually asked, he actually pays me not to do it, but you know, I, I wouldn't get paid if uh, I stopped I, it. I, I, I pay him to take the photo down. <laughs> <laughs> and I misinterpret the phrase of down. Yeah. Um, oh. Oh, that, no. oh, no. no. Thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed, please drop us a like or a follow if you're new to the Manic family. And if not, do check out our socials. It is the best place to keep up to date with us. Other than that, Tobias, I think it's time to say goodbye. I was going to say something very witty and nothing came to mind, so I'll just go, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. And most importantly, stay manic. <laughs>